Paul's first letter to the Corinthian church is to instruct and encourage a church that he spent one and a half years establishing. Corinth was a trade center and a center for Roman pagan worship. The term Corinthian was synonymous with immortality due to the culture of the city. After Paul's departure, he became aware that they were having serious and profound crisis of faith and fellowship. So the letter of 1 Corinthians is Paul's plea to the people he loves and labored with to return to a true and pure Christian walk. The most serious issue he saves for last, some among the congregation teaching that there is no resurrection. The last line of chapter 15 is an exclamation point to the arguments Paul meticulously makes to prove the reality of Jesus' resurrection. He can tell them and us to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Only because of the truths provided in the rest of this chapter, the therefore statement compels to take a hard look at what Paul devoted so many words, encouraging and correcting these Christians' walk. Paul bookends this chapter by telling us to stand on gospel in verse 1 and be steadfast and unmovable in verse 58. The gospel is the greatest story in human history, and you will never hear a better message. Paul summarizes the gospel in verses 3 through 8, that Christ died for our sins, was buried, and arose on the third day, all according to the scriptures, the scriptures that we call the Old Testament. The books of Moses, Psalms, and Prophets that all predicted the suffering Savior, the Messiah. The scriptures are so accurate that when the Ethiopian eunuch read Isaiah 53, his heart was prepared to hear the gospel, and Philip was sent to him by the Spirit. He asked whether Isaiah spoke about himself or another person. And Philip began with this scripture and shared the gospel. Not only did the scriptures predict the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, but they were witnessed by the apostles, over 500 disciples, and Paul himself on the road to Damascus. These witnesses all testified that Jesus had been killed and raised to a new life. Men like Stephen, James, and Peter didn't die for their faith without being assured of their resurrection. Paul presents the resurrection of Jesus as fact based on God's promises and prophecies and confirmed by the witnesses of so many people. The evidence has been presented, and it is irrefutable. So Paul takes aim at the Corinthians' problem, stating in verse 12, by asking a series of logical questions. If Christ is proclaimed as having been raised from the dead, how could some of you Christians say that there is no resurrection from the dead? If there is no resurrection, then Christ hasn't been raised. And if Christ hasn't been raised, why are we preaching the gospel, and why do we believe it? Those who preach the gospel are spreading a lie and misrepresenting God. If Christ is not misrepresenting God, if Christ has not risen our faith, in him it is useless and we still live in sin. In Romans chapter 6, Paul describes our baptism as a spiritual death, burial and resurrection that reflects Christ's physical death. He empathetically makes his point in verse 19. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. If we forsake all things in pursuit of a relationship with Jesus and endure all the trials of a Christian life, it is all useless if there is no resurrection from the dead. The good news is that Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who died. The idea of first fruits relates to a harvest where the very first of the crop is of a season is harvested with much more to follow. Jesus is the first raised with the promise and expectation that many more will follow. Even though sin and death entered the world through Adam, the first son of God, and all died, so also in Christ all will be made alive. Sin and death because of the fall of man in the garden are the reality that we live in. God has provided a remedy for our sin problem through the death and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ. Paul says some will ask how the dead are raised or what kind of body they will have, stating in verse 35. These are foolish questions because like a dead seed that is planted, the plant that grows is something entirely different. So there are different kinds of flesh in this creation, and there are earthly forms and heavenly forms. This is the way that Paul says resurrection works. A perishable body of flesh dies, but is then raised as an imperishable heavenly body. 
Paul says, thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, speaking of Jesus, became a life-giving spirit. The first Adam is from dust, but the last is from heaven. Just as we have lived in likeness of the man of dust, we will live in likeness of the man of heaven. Paul says this must be true because flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Therefore, we must be changed. Paul moves on to share a great mystery, starting in verse 50. At the last trumpet, we shall all be changed in an instant. The dead will rise and be changed into imperishable beings. The mortal body will be transformed to put on an immortality. When this happens, the prophecy in Hosea 13 is fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? So we should be ever thankful to God, who gives us the victory over sin and death through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Without Jesus' resurrection, it's all meaningless. We cannot earn our salvation. Only the work that Jesus accomplished on the cross can save. The gospel literally means good news. And it wouldn't be good news without that sacrifice, where there will be a new heaven, a new earth without sin, pain, and suffering, where there is no longer a need for the sun and moon because God and the Lamb will be the light. The idea is similar to what Paul says to love in 1 Corinthians 13. Hypothetically, if Paul has all spiritual gifts, knowledge of God, even perfect faith doesn't have love. He would be useless and have nothing. The same is true of the gospel message in a Christian life without the hope and expectation of the resurrection. So finally, therefore, we should be steadfast and movable, always abounding in good work, because our faith isn't in vain. The resurrection not only holds great promise for our future, but should reshape our lives every day. Paul urges us to live in this reality of our future resurrection and let it motivate us to abound in the work of the Lord. This is precisely what happened in Paul's own life. He was zealously serving God in error by persecuting the church until he met the risen Lord Jesus on the road to Damascus. When he realized that the Christians weren't heretics and blasphemers, that Jesus is exactly who they claimed he was, the risen Messiah, he became a Christian. The resurrection made all the difference for him, as it does for us too. Paul decided to arise and be, be baptized, calling on the name of the Lord, putting his confidence in the life that only comes through Jesus. This is why Paul can say in Galatians 2, 20-21, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. This wonderful, life-changing passage from Paul is full of hope and promise based on the work that Jesus has done for us on the cross and by his resurrection. Those in Christ can read this and be renewed and motivated to strive and work diligently in God's kingdom. For those who are outside of Christ, the promises are, are here, waiting to be accepted. Paul simply states we can take hold of the promise of a resurrection life in Romans 6, verses 3-4. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? For we were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life.